everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior and IJ nephropathy warrior, and I'm dedicated to sharing the stories of those with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Logan Crumrine, a Crohn's disease warrior of more than 30 years, advocate and writer. Logan was first diagnosed in 1990. For years, he fluctuated between states of flares, semi-remission, clinical trials, and surgeries, and then went into complete remission for over 15 years. But remission came to an end in 2012, and he spent the next few years fighting for his life and eventually filed for disability. Today, he's now in his second year of remission and living life to the fullest. Some of you will actually remember Logan as one of my repeat guests. He shared the first part of his story in episode 29 of this podcast in July 2019 and came back a year later in 2020 to talk about his experience and knowledge about going through the process of filing for disability. Today, he's back to update us on his journey and share what it's like to now live in remission. Thank you so much for joining me today, Logan, and welcome back to the show. Thanks, Stephanie. It's great to be here. It's great to have you back again. So as I mentioned in the intro, our first podcast together was in July 2019, and then you came back and talked about the disability process in 2020. But in late 2019, you shared on social media that you had to stop all medications for Crohn's because they weren't working and the risks to continue outweighed the benefits. So let's pick up your story from that point to where you are today, because our last episode in 2020 really focused on the disability process. So tell me what happened after you stopped medications in 2019, and how did you get to a place of remission since then? So um, stopping medications in in 2019 was um, a decision that my doctor and I made because we were at the end of the line for medications. I had literally tried everything um, that was available at that point, um, up until that point. And um, so we we stopped all medications for a while. And then we, I think I was kind of in the middle of a clinical trial also that they had to stop because the results were too good. Not sure how that works, but they were like, the results were like way too good for this particular medication. So they had to stop the clinical trial altogether. Um, And I think that's probably where I shared that um, on social media. Um, I actually haven't completely stopped all medications um, because of my seven year flare that I was in Um, my, um, my lower intestine is basically my doctor describes as a, as a lead pipe um, where it's supposed to be able to flex and move as stuff comes into it. But because of the, the nature of my flare um, it's basically just all scar tissue. Um, and so I take Lamotil. Um, I would give you the longer name, but no one can ever pronounce it. Um, basically I take that uh, of, fairly high dose of that just to kind of slow my gut down enough so that I can function during the day, which is really great. It's working well. And then the maintenance medication that I'm actually on currently is Stellara. Um, And it's a shot once every 56 days. So about six times a year, I'm on that. And my wife helps me administer that. So I think that when I post on social media, I think we were just stopping that clinical trial was probably caught up in all the of we don't have anything left um, to do. So um, I think that's where that post came from. Um, 
but yeah, so I'm on Stellara now. It seems to be working great. Um, it's kind of a weird medication because it's very, very, very expensive. And so getting insurance to approve it is very, very difficult um, because they don't want to pay. Uh, we call it the car medication because it's about $25,000 a shot. Wow. So insurance is definitely needed for that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> and Stellara is one of the newer medications. It's only been out a few years. Is that correct? Yeah, it was brand new, just got FDA approved when I actually started it. Um, but since then, we've had two or three new medications. I think uh, I think one of them, I can't remember the name of it, maybe Skyrizi, don't quote me on that. But there's a couple of new medications out that they're starting to use for, um, for Crohn's. I think most of them coming out right now are for ulcerative colitis, but they're so closely related that I think they kind of cross over once in a while. Well, it is really exciting to see you and to hear that you've been in clinical remission now for two years, because I just remember back to the very first time that we spoke and your journey was so different from where it was at, from where you're at today. And it was a scary journey and things were very dire and, and dark at times. And it's you've been through so much. So it it is absolutely phenomenal to see you in clinical remission. It just, it makes me so happy that there's finally a medication that, that worked because I know you tried them all. You went yeah. through everything. Yeah, it was, it was quite the journey to go through all of them because, and it was just a level of frustration that we've never seen um, because it just wasn't working. So. So talk to me about what life is like today. You've, you've shared with me that being in remission is, is, kind of weird after being in a flare for so long and being so sick for so long. So tell me what it's like having been through that, even going through the disability process, things were you were so sick. What has your transition been like to quote unquote normal now? Sure. Normal life for me now is is quite different. Um, as I've shared with you, we actually just two months ago kind of left our life in Washington and moved to Texas. Um, so it's, we were able to do that. I got through that without getting any mini flares, which I was super happy of. Um, actually made the journey in vehicles. Me and my wife drove two separate vehicles down and I didn't have to have all my normal stuff like my portable toilet and um, all that stuff with me. So that was a we kind of got to the end of that week and we didn't realize we hadn't brought all that stuff with us. And we were like, Oh, we didn't even bring that and didn't even need it. So that was, that was pretty weird. It's also weird to go into stores and not think that the first thing you have to find is the bathroom. Um, we got to a point when I was really sick that whenever we'd go out um, into a store or someplace new concert, whatever, the first thing my kids would do would be like to scope the bathroom and then come back and say, hey, dad, the bathroom's here, here and here. We know where they are, you know, all that stuff. And so it's it's different to not have to do that immediately and to be able to go out with some of without some of my supplies that I usually haul with me um, as a Crohn's patient. I mean, people on the podcast know what it's like to to walk around with a gut that can explode at any moment. So um, it's it's different to be able to go out and do that stuff without um, all of that equipment. How long did it take you, do you think, to realize that you could go out and live life from when you first got into getting better and then full remission? 
So really, it's only been in the last month that I've tried it. Um, and there's still like, I'm still learning how to do that. Um, and gaining that confidence requires to, okay, well, I'm going to get ready as I normally do for going out with Crohn's because I still have Crohn's. And then I get to the end of that trip and I'm like, oh, that's a trip I could have made without all my stuff. So it's, um, it's a learning process. Like now I'll, if I have to go to the store really quick, we have a couple of stores that are, you know, within three or four miles of our house. Um, I'm able to go to those and not have all that stuff with me, which is still a little weird and squishy, but I also am having a little bit more control. So I, if I do have something come up, I generally can control it and get to the bathroom when I need to. What kind of tips would you have for other people who are finding themselves newly in remission and still afraid to let go of the habits that they've held on to for so many years as their safety net? I think the best advice would be you've kind of got to do your own walk in that. You've got to kind of let go of those things um, as you feel comfortable. Um, I still carry supplies in my backpack. I don't carry as many. I don't carry an extra change of clothes, um, like a full extra change of clothes and everything. So my backpack has gotten down to just like some undergarments in there, um, some just stuff to clean up if I need to. Um, it's a much smaller kit, but again, I'm still learning. It's still automatic for me to put all that stuff on when I'm going out. And I think it's just, you just kind of have to challenge yourself and push yourself. It helps too that I have Leah with me, who's an incredible partner who reminds me, Hey, you know, you made this trip a couple of times without anything. Why don't you try it again? Or I'll be able to share with her and be like, so I didn't even get ready like I normally do for this trip. And then it's kind of an epiphany almost to say, oh, wow, we don't need that stuff all the time anymore. I love that. How would you describe the feeling now to finally be in this place? I think as I talked about um, last time when I was really sick, um, my kind of top point of sickness was around when I was 40, 41. Um, I'm 48 now, so it's been a number of years. Um, but we were at the point of possibly needing TPN um, nutrition, which is total parental nutrition, IV nutrition through a port. Um, and I was just not getting better. My body could not absorb any nutrients because of the Crohn's. And um, we decided kind of in the midst of that, as I got better that we, and I've said this on your podcast before, we try and live each day and not waste single one of them. So we kind of, when we do things on social media and we post pictures of things that we did out, we kind of hashtag it with not wasted because we realized that the 15 years that I was in remission, we kind of just took it for granted. Um, and then it flared up again and we're like, we're not taking this for granted anymore because with Crohn's, as you know, and as your listeners know, it's not a matter of if you're going to get sick again. It's a matter of when you're going to get sick and how bad that's actually going to be. So you have to feel like you've got this weight lifted off your your shoulders at this point, I would imagine. Or is it too is it still too new to to feel that? I, th I think 
I would describe it as I'm able to leave the weight at home more often. <laughs> I think it's still there because there's times like I'll eat something that I probably shouldn't have eaten and I'll be, and it's just a reminder. You still have Crohn's just because you're in remission, you still have it. And you've talked, you, you and your guests have always talked about the mini flares and, you know, you have a flare for a week and you're like, is this the start of another 10 year journey? And then it just goes away and you're like, okay, that was again, weird, but it's just, it's, I love my life. I mean, we, we try and just enjoy every day. Part of the reason we came to Texas is so that we could get outside all the time, you know, and every time it rains in Texas at our, in our town, we're like, we kind of go back to, Oh, we're in the rainy season. And then the next day it's 70 and sunny. And we're like, Oh yeah, Texas doesn't have a rainy season. <laughs> so Seattle was off the list. You weren't going to move there. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's where we live. We live North of Seattle, I mean, through my flair, University of Washington is where I got all of my care. That's right. Um, and they were great too. Um, transferring care. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute because that's super scary as well to transfer care as a Crohn's patient. I mean, you know that you've been you've been honest about your transfer of care. I still can't believe that a doctor looked at you and said, "If you ever had Crohn's, that blows my mind." It blew my <laughs> that mind someone, <laughs> that someone would say that. But when I told my doctor um, at the University of Washington Medical Center that we were moving to Texas, they actually found me a doctor and transferred all of my records to him um, for me, which was incredible. Again, the people at the UW are top notch. If you're in the Seattle area, you have to go see, go to digestive disease at the UW. It takes a while to get in there, but they are the best in the world. That's fantastic. Did you have to request that of the doctors or did he just go ahead and know that this is the process that we do here? We just take the records and transfer to where, where you're going. So really it was an email to um, his nurse. Um, and I said, Hey, we're, we're moving to, we're thinking about, it was kind of when we were in the process of thinking about moving to Texas. And I said, we're just looking for some names for people that I might be able to see. Um, when I'm down there or that you might suggest. And they got an email back from them like three days later. It says, Dr. Lee thinks you should see this person. And we've sent all your records. They should be calling you for an appointment. So, and I actually have an appointment in January with them. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's fantastic. So since our last episode was all about the disability process, talk to me about what that is like now. What happens with that status? Does it go away or where are you at in your process, your journey with that? You're right. Um, so the disability process, again, like kind of Crohn's is different for everybody. You can have uh, medical updates that they need to kind of re-review your case and you have to go through and talk to your doctors and they want to make sure that you still can't work and you still can't do the job that you had. Um, I had to go before a judge to get approved. So I think I haven't had a medical review yet. And I think I'm deep enough in now that I won't have a medical review um, because I think they come every three to five years for the first like five to seven years, I think. Um, so I haven't had to have a medical review. Um, Again, I've talked to people who have had to have medical reviews and have been denied care after that medical review. Um, so disability just keeps 
doing its thing. I mean, it's kind of, we kind of laugh about how much money we get per month from disability because it is not at all any sense of, we're not getting rich on it at all. Yeah, you shared th- you shared that in the disability podcast. I just re-listened to it the other day, and it's not a long-term solution that's going to help. Yeah, they did do a pretty pretty good increase, but a pretty good it's a percentage increase, and a percentage of a small number is still a pretty small number. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hope hopefully right now it's not with the reviews being so far apart. Hopefully it's not adding stress, and you're able to not think about it right now and and let that continue to help advance your life forward as you're in this new state of remission and new territory. Right. One thing about um, the Social Security Administration, they want people to work, obviously. Um, And so there is a program out there for people who, like in my condition, um, go into remission or get start feeling better. And there is a way to Essentially, you keep your disability and you can kind of return to work on a trial basis um, to see if it's something that you can do. Um, And so I'm kind of in the midst of that, um, deciding if that's something we want to do because I am in remission and feeling so much better to be able to get a little bit extra income in. And it's like a return to work program where they allow you to work for a year and you can earn as much money as you want during that year and your benefits continue through that year. Um, nine months to a year, depends on the state, I think. And then after that, if you make more than a certain amount, you kind of lose your benefit, but you're making more than you would have on benefit anyway. And if you're enrolled in their program, you basically can be in their program for up to nine years and not lose your the availability to quit your job and go right back on the benefits. So it's a pretty amazing program. It is daunting and huge to try and figure out. Um, So I will, I guess maybe I'll just share the link with the company that I've talked to that seems to be the most helpful. If someone's looking at that, I'll share that link with you and maybe you can put it in the show notes. That would be wonderful. And then once you're through that process, we'll have you back on for a fourth episode. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to come back and talk and see how that works. So That sounds like a wonderful program. And it's actually reassuring to hear that they have a program like that in place where it gives you that that kind of security net to to go out and to start working again and to feel like you're making progress, but without worrying about now the the safety net isn't there. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, stress is one of those things that causes Crohn's and colitis IBD patients to go into flare. And so it's really nice that you can have a, have nine months to a year to kind of try it out and see if that if a stress of a job is something that you can actually handle. That's amazing. So talk to me a little bit. I want to ask you about mental health and how you've been able to improve that over the years. You've shared on social media a few times just struggling with Crohn's and depression and your journey has had some very high highs and very low lows. And so can you talk about how you've coped through some of the hardest times and how has remission affected your overall mental health? Sure. Um, I think remission has helped my mental health and has benefited. I still struggle with depression and um, I still sometimes, some days it's absolutely debilitating. Um, Right now, my, my depression seems to be presenting itself with insomnia. 
Um, so I can be tired at seven o'clock and think, okay, I'm going to head to bed around nine and like I'm up to two. Um, so it seems to be presenting that way. I think being in a place with more sunlight and, um, a really seasonal, uh, depression affected me really bad in Washington because where I lived in Washington in from about October to March, it's very dark and very gray and, um, it's nice to be able to look out the window and see blue skies and sun. Um, I'm trying to get back to exercising because that's so vital to mental health. Um, I mean, you know that you share that all the time. Um, and I think it's also helpful for your gut to get out and exercise and do some of those. And I think there's science that backs that up really well as well. Yeah, I think there definitely is. And I noticed the same, just that mental uplift because I moved, as you mentioned, I just moved here to Florida last year and there's palm trees and sunshine and there's, it's hard to describe just how much that fills you up inside when there's some blue sky and a beautiful day. Yeah. Well, enable just to be able to go out and go for a walk and not have to come home and be soaking wet. Exactly. <laughs> now, I come back soaking wet because of the humidity, but... <laughs> sure. Yeah, we <laughs> have that different. here too. <laughs> <laughs> you do. So what are some of the ways that you began to implement, because you have shared that quite a bit, your fitness journey through social media and, and just getting to a place of better overall health. What were some of the, the baby steps or the ways that you started to get back into that as you were feeling better and starting to do more? Because you're doing a lot of hiking, a lot of walking now. So take me through that journey. I think that, um, and for for the record, my hiking and walking come and go, like any kind of fitness thing. I do really good for a while and <laughs> kind of backs off for a little while. Um, I think that one thing that I had to do <clears throat> is realize that I have to start with what I can do. And even if it's five minutes of getting outside and taking a walk. I mean, I started when I was starting to get kind of get my health back. Um, I started just literally doing laps around the cul-de-sac. And that's all I could do is walk around the cul-de-sac very slow with a cane. And uh, was very difficult for me to even get out and do anything. Um, and now, I mean, at the kind of where I was at the height, that's kind of dropped off since we moved, but I'm trying to get back into it. I think I was doing three or four miles a day walking. I was lifting regularly um, because, again, medications that you get on Crohn's and um, colitis, you get steroids sometimes, and those things play havoc on your bones and everything like that. I was on, I actually had a sickness there just a couple weeks ago. Remember, we had to reschedule. And um, they wanted to put me on pregnizone. I took the prescription, but I never used it because I was on pregnizone for three years when I was actively in flare. And so it's just run havoc on my body. So as you've been on this journey of better health and overall mindset, you've also had some other health issues come up. You shared with me that you were diagnosed with sleep apnea and type 2 diabetes. So talk to me about how that has impacted your overall health journey and what you've been doing to help fight against that, to help overcome those, those issues. Sure. Um, so my weight loss journey is difficult at best. Uh, when I was sick, I lost about 120 pounds, um, in a year cause my body just couldn't absorb any nutrition. 
since that, um, since I've been back in um, remission, I've been able to gain that back. And, you know, I'm trying to lose weight now. My doctor at the UW always, always tell him, you know, I'm really having a hard time losing weight. And he kind of chuckles to himself and says, congratulations, you're an American. And, um, <laughs> and it's just, it's more difficult because of the medications that we have to be on as IBD patients. It, they just wreak havoc on your body. They mess with your immune system. And when you're messing with the immune system and the gut, you're dealing with everything in the body because all of it is so central to that. What are what are some of the connections you've been learning between diabetes and IBD? I know you had started to look into that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I did some research. Let me see if I can pull up my article here. So this study actually was done. Um, it was it was in the it was released in 2015, so a while ago, um, in the World Journal of Diabetes. And I think I can send you a link to this um, if people want to read the whole study. I don't know how many people out there like reading um, medical journals and medical <laughs> reports, um, but this one actually talks about the um, use of steroids in care for people for all kinds of chronic illness. I think they mentioned Crohn's and colitis specifically in here, along with some other ones um, that have to do with flares. And they just talk about how long-term use of um, steroids can cause people to be hyperglycemic, which means your blood sugar kind of raises. Um, and reading through kind of symptoms that you can have, um, it's remarkably similar to what happened to me um, because it, it takes time. If you're on them for a short period of time, typically there's not anything that goes wrong. Um, but if you're on them for a long time, your blood glucose, um, I read another study, which, I've, which I'll see if I can find as well, your blood glucose actually adjusts so much that you kind of just run higher all the time. Um, which was pretty fascinating to me because, you know, they give you the ideal numbers. Every medical thing gives you the ideal numbers. You want to be between this and this number. But for people who have been on um, steroids for so long because they just run havoc on your body, they, they're finding that more people just typically run 10 to 15 points higher, um, generally speaking. Um, and I'm not sure that they've nailed down why, but it was an interesting study. Um, and so I treat my type two diabetes again, I'm trying to lose weight to hopefully not have to do it. I'm not as a severe of a case as some, I think my A1C last time we checked, it was at a five, nine, nine or something like that, which isn't that bad. Um, and I hover around 130 to 140 is kind of normal blood sugar for me. Um, and so when I get into the normal range of 90 to 82, which is kind of the lower of the normal range for normal people, I get the effects. I had one yesterday morning, in fact, where I was like, I've got to stop and get a candy bar because I'm crashing and I didn't feel normal until it was kind of in the 100 to 120 range again. Um, so it's just interesting because they're, they just talk a lot about T cell function, which is important for IBD. Um, anti-inflammatory, anything having to do with the immune process or the anti-inflammatory res response of the body 
can really be affected by steroids. And so, um, and being on prednisone for so long, I think that it's just something that I try to avoid at all costs because I don't want to fall back into getting, getting that. That's really interesting. I didn't know about that correlation there of long-term steroid use and just the number of IBD patients that have had to be in that same scenario. So yeah, definitely send me that link. I'd love to put it in the show notes. I know I like reading articles like that. So hopefully, hopefully other IBD patients do. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you this one that I have, and then I'll try and find the other one that went a little more in depth um, on the um, Crohn's and colitis patients that have had it. Um, and it, maybe you can release that over your social media or something. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. So let's talk about food for a little bit. How has remission affected what you're eating? And then I guess it would be a follow-on question now that you're focusing on diabetes as well. But how has all of that played into your journey? Take And tell me a little bit about what you were eating before. Were you having to watch what you were eating? And then do you have, now that you've been on Stilara for a couple of years, are you having the same trigger foods? Has your dietary world opened up a little bit? I think that generally speaking, my dietary world has really opened up. Um, I still try and avoid really spicy foods. They, they tend to not agree with my gut at all. Um, I try to do as little dairy as possible. Um, the peach pie and ice cream last night would not tell you that, but, um, <laughs> but I try not to have dairy very often um, just because it seems to kind of be a trigger food for me. Um, when I was really sick, um, my doctor really didn't care what I was eating because he just wanted me to get calories down because I was absorbing so, so little. He wanted me to kind of get as many as I could down um, just to be able to maintain where I was. And I really am trying to right now narrow in my focus to being at a good calorie deficit and being walking and exercising and doing some movement every day. Because when you're sick and not sure if you're going to live, you become very sedentary. And it's that's probably the hardest habit for me to break um, in the cycle of um, being in remission now is I don't have to just sit and exist every day and just do my... And that's not super exhausting for me to sit and exist every day. I can actually do things and not be tired. And I would imagine that's where a good support system really comes into play. Like you mentioned, having Leah bug you and, and kind of prompt you to, to get up and enjoy the day and, and seize life. Yeah. Yeah. She is, she is incredible. I still would love for you to, con to connect and have her on to kind of talk through um, her experience walking through IBD with me. I think that would be an incredible incredible podcast for you. I would love that. We'll we'll uh we'll touch base again after this like <laughs> like we Great. always do, but I'd love to have her on. So let's talk about what the future has in store for you now that you're in remission and and you've got a bright future ahead. So recently you actually just wrote a children's book. You wrote and published a children's book earlier this Correct. year. What inspired you to start writing and is that something that you'll continue to do? So my kind of inspiration um, for writing came from my seventh grade English teacher, um, who is an incredible man. 
Um, he is uh, a monk now. Um, so he's had an incredible life journey. Um, but he really just allowed me to write and not have to be worried about really what I was saying in seventh grade, which was incredible. So recently, yes, I did publish a children's book. It's called uh, What If the Monsters Are Afraid of Me? Um, and it's a story that I used to tell my kids when they would be afraid because every kid thinks he has monsters in his closet. Um, so it's kind of based on what I would tell them, which is what if the monsters are hiding in your closet because they're afraid of you? And I think it helped them. And so I turned it into a children's book. I'd love to link it in the show notes as well. Um, people can get it from Amazon. It's self-published. So I didn't get a big book deal. Um, and actually right back here, there's a couple other books that I'm working on that I've started listing out. Um, one of them is kind of an autobiography of when I was a teenager in a small town in the 90s, 80s, and 90s, which we had a lot of fun, which you can't do now because um, just it was just different. So one of those is that. Um, there's a couple others. There's a play up there that I want to do. Um, but yeah, just I'm really looking forward to getting into my writing and just using that as a creative outlet. And as I said, I'm also looking at even going back to work just either part-time or full-time just to be able to help with some bills and stuff like that because it's expensive to have Crohn's disease and be sick all the time. It is. I love that you're continuing to write and that you've got a couple more books and ideas in process and on, on cue there. That's very exciting. And I love, if people haven't already read it, I love the book that you just wrote, the children's book, What If the Monsters Were Afraid of Me? I actually got one. I gave it as a, a Christmas gift. It was beautifully illustrated. I love the story. The monsters are very cute. <laughs> yeah, so, I tried not to do scary monsters. <laughs> it was very, very well done. So well, I'll definitely put the link in the show notes and and get writing on those other books so I can link to those as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And I loved reading your story too. It was just, I mean, I just appreciated the writing that you did. And just the the rawness and, it, I mean, you didn't sugarcoat it at all. And so it was just really appreciated you being able to share that. And that story needs to be told by more of us in the IBD community because everyone's different. And we just, the only way we get strength is from each other. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And I agree 100%. We need more stories out there. I just, I feel like it, I, and I say it so many times, but I feel like it helps us. I know it helps me as a patient to just hear someone else's journey, whether it overlaps with mine or it doesn't. It's just, it's good to know what people go through, what might happen, what their options and what kind of treatments or just kind of the path that might be there. And so it, it's so beneficial to just share as many stories as we possibly can. So I encourage everyone with IBD to write their story. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Share it and it just some way, somehow. <laughs> yeah. And it normalizes it too. Um, because if the more we answer those questions of what is this, the less we have to answer those questions. Exactly. As IBD people. I think, I think probably every one of us has spent many, many hours, probably longer explaining to friends and family why we don't want to eat, why we don't want to come over, why we don't want to go out. And for people to actually just understand IBD would be huge progress. Yeah. Well, and it's, 
it's it's hard to do that. It's exhausting to do that. I agree, and it's exhausting to for people to read one article by one person and be able to say, "Hey, I think you should do this because it'll cure whatever you have." And you know, these are chronic conditions that don't have a cure. We get remission and we wait. You know, and so, like I said, Lee and I just try and live the best we can in remission. I mean, we've got two boys that are out of the house. One of them's in college now. Uh, the other one's in the Army station in Fort Carson, and he's actually in Korea right now. Um, so we just get to enjoy those times with them when, they, when we're able to see them. I love that. How do you think remission has impacted your family as a whole? How have you seen your, your wife and sons respond to this new state of being? It's they're getting to know a new version of dad um, because the old version of dad wouldn't be able to go places, wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, Again, like I said, I don't know how many events or things I missed out on because I was too sick to leave the house. Um, And so I get to go to all those things now. Uh, Like we traveled up to Oklahoma to be able to watch my son and his play in college which is something five years ago I probably wouldn't have been able to do. Um, And so I just get to sit there and cry as the proud dad and see my son on stage. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we took a trip to Disneyland with our boys um, kind of before they left the house. And that was, we got to spend four days in Disneyland. And that was not even fathomable to me when I was sick. And so you just, you have to take whatever, day you're given and you feel good to do something and you all have to be flexible. I think one of the lessons that my children learned is they are very adaptable to any situation. Um, And I think that will pay them dividends as they get older. Well, words cannot express how happy I am for you to be in this place of remission and to be catching up on all of those years lost when you were sick. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It it, it is, like I said, it's just blessing upon blessing every day to be able to do what we get to do. So, Well, before we end, before we get ready to wrap up, what is the final message or piece of advice that you would like to share with listeners? So one thing that I um, we talk a lot about with my kids um, now is um, it's actually a quote that Tom Hanks was on a round table. Um, with a bunch of other actors and they kind of said, what would you say to your younger self? Um, and he, he did a great quote and it's something that I try and tell my kids when they're going through something tough or try and relate to. And the quote's very simple. This too shall pass. Um, if you're feeling great and wonderful, this too shall pass. If you're feeling horrible and can't get out of the house, this too shall pass. Everything changes as time goes. And um, if you're sick and you can't get out of the house, you have to fight for yourself. Um, And there's people out there who are willing to give advice and help. I'll certainly give you my social media and anyone out there who has listened to my story and is like, I'm kind of where he was and I don't know what to do next. Feel free to reach out. I don't I don't have anyone managing my social media. I answer all my messages to people who send them to me. and. You just have to know that you're not alone and that you really do have to take every day that you can and find 
a blessing in it because there's something there. Very wise words. So tell me, if people do want to keep up with you and follow your IBD journey, where can they find and follow you online? So I've actually downgraded my social media a little bit. I used to maintain the crony dad on Instagram. I don't maintain that one anymore. Um, So just my name, Logan Crumrine um, on Instagram. I'll give you, you can link it in the show notes. That's totally fine. So is there anything that I didn't ask you today that you did want to share with the audience? I know we covered quite a bit. I don't think so. Um, I think that as life carries on, I mean, we'll be in contact. We email once or twice a year with each other. And I think that we'll just kind of, I'll keep listening to your podcast. And as I hear something, I'm, and I'll be like, oh, you know, I can share a little bit more on that. I'll give you a call or I'll shoot you an email and say, hey, let's, uh, let's do another cast so we can talk about some other stuff. So, and then as I get farther in, in the right to work um, or return to work thing, we'll definitely get together and talk about that as well. Sounds wonderful. I love that. And pretty soon before long, we'll make you a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it has been such a pleasure to have you back on again, Logan. Thank you so Thank much you. for updating us on your journey and, and sharing about what you're going through and, and just being a part of the IBD community and advocating for every one of us and doing what you do. Thank you. Well, it is appreciated by by me that you are doing this. Um, I'm sure there's times when you have some self-doubt and whether you're not reaching anybody, but you are. And so you, you're one of the ones that's leading the charge. So we appreciate you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you love these interviews and want to support the podcast, visit my website at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com where you can browse my featured products page to shop the companies I love and support. Make a donation using the Buy Me a Coffee link to send a little love or grab a copy of my book and IBD story, Crohn's Fitness Food and My Rocky Road to Health. If you have an IBD story that you want to share, send me an email at story at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And always remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going.